Is this water for me? All right, take your Bibles this morning. I know we only got a few short minutes here. Take your Bibles, and I'm going to give you two uh, passages of Scripture. Uh, first one I'm going to give you this morning is 2 Kings chapter number 14. If you want to just kind of put a piece of paper in there, if you would, and we'll come back to that one here in just a few moments. 2 Kings chapter number 14. <clears throat> and then also, once you find that, Jonah chapter number 1. And I need, is Ryan Steen in here? Where are you at, Ryan? Ryan, good. Okay, Matthew Stevens, where are you at? Matthew, why don't you come up here for the front? I'm gonna have I'm gonna have you and Ryan help me with the illustration here in just a few moments. All right, Second Kings chapter number fourteen is gonna be. I uh, just kind of mark it, and primarily we're gonna be in Jonah chapter number one this morning. Once you find Jonah chapter one, if you would stand for the reading of God's word, and we're gonna jump right on into it. Uh, Matthew, yeah, you want to come up here on the front? There you go. Ryan's close enough to the front. I gave Ryan a heads up last night and said, hey, I'm going to probably use you for an illustration this morning. So, <clears throat> All right, Jonah chapter number one is familiar text, familiar story. And so in saying that, it might be something where already we're like, hey, I know where we're going. I know where we're going this morning, Brother Andrew. We're going with the fish. Nah, not happening this morning. Not happening. We're going a little bit of a different direction. Look at Jonah chapter number one, verse number one. Here's what the Bible says. It says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Verse number two, God speaks to Jonah, and God gives Jonah a call. Now I want you to notice verse number three, what God says here. Or sorry, what the Bible says. It says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down unto it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The title of the message this morning for our first session is this. Everyone has a Nineveh, but everyone also has a Tarshish. Everyone has a Nineveh, but also everyone has a Tarshish. Father, thank you again for the privilege to be here. Thank you for your word. Pray that you speak to our hearts as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Matthew, you just want to have a seat up here in the front. <clears throat> There's a few Bible stories that maybe we are very familiar with that really when the pastor or the youth pastor or whoever it might be turns to and we read the text, we kind of already have this mindset of, hey, I know where we're going. I know the content of the scripture and give me some examples. How about the story of David and Goliath and many of us who've grown up in church or spent any amount of time in church, we've heard the story of David and Goliath multiple times. And how about the story of Elijah and Mount Carmel? And one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is exactly what took place upon Mount Carmel, how God worked through Elijah, and then the, the, the victory, if you would, that the nation of Israel gained from that uh, monumentous occasion. How about Samson? We know the story of Samson, his great strength. And we, we know the story of Samson's fall. And then even as we get to Jonah, chapter number 1, we're very familiar with the story of Jonah. And we're familiar with, listen, we're familiar with Jonah's failure. We're familiar with the fish. We're familiar with Jonah running from God. And so when we look at Jonah, and specifically at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday morning, the first split session, if you would, for YouthCon, we might have this question, what does a prophet of God who runs from God and gets swallowed by a great fish have to do with me as a young man? I mean, Brother Andrew, I'm not Jonah. I'm not, I'm not, I had the word of God hasn't spoken to me and told me to go to Nineveh per se. And I'm not necessarily on the boat going to Tarshish, getting ready to get thrown overboard and, and having a fish prepared for me. Uh, how does this text have to apply to me? 
Hold your place in Jonah chapter number 1 and go to 2 Kings chapter number 14. We're going to expound scripture a little bit here this morning. And then we're going to give you an illustration. And hopefully it will all pull it together for this morning. 2 Kings chapter number 14. We're going to pick up right in the middle of 2 Kings chapter number 14. Now I want you to look at verse number 23. Here's what the Bible says. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Jeshua, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Josiah, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. And reigned forty and one years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin. Verse 25, watch what the Bible says here. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamatai unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord of God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amnatai, the prophet, which was of Gethpeir. So here in Jonah chapter 1, mainly we go to Jonah, we think about the story of Jonah, and we're familiar with Jonah chapter number 1. But we fail to be so much so familiar, if you would, with 2 Kings chapter number 14, where God tells us here that Jonah was a prophet, that Jonah was a man of God, that Jonah said, thus saith the Lord, and that Jonah did exactly what God wanted to do. You notice here right now off the bat the two contrasts, if you would, between Jonah chapter number 1 and Jonah we find in 2 Kings chapter number 14. And so when we look at what takes place here in 2 Kings chapter number 14, I want you to know some things here. This Jonah's prophesying, and he's, he's a man of God in a wicked time. He's a man of God in a perverse time, if you would. The Bible tells us this, that the king, Jeroboam, did that which was evil in the sight of God. And, and there was idolatry that was taking place, and wickedness abounded. Listen, maybe you, you were sitting here this morning, and you're thinking about last night's message by Brother Hardy. Uh, I look back there at Brother Rick Williams, and I remember as freshman in 2001, Brother Hardy preaching the gender series. And I, I remember back in the day, Brother Rick, when we sat in here for chapel, and I remember sitting over here in this section, almost where Brother Ryan is right there, uh, as a freshman, as a 17-year-old young man, and Brother Hardy preaching that message. And in my mind, I thought, man, that's, what's he talking about? Now, fast forward 20-plus years, and as a youth pastor and as assistant pastor and being in ministry as long as I, listen, this is something that if you're in ministry any length of time, this is something that's very prevalent, prevalent in our society. And you may think this morning that you as a young man and as macho as you are, that it's not a big deal. But can I say this? The devil is out to destroy you. He's out to ruin you. And you may think, oh, Brother Andrew, it's not that big of a deal. I felt like last night was a great illustration by Brother Hardy as far as we as young men, uh, and young men, I'm going to say that here, young men have taken a step back. And can I say this, that in 2 Kings chapter number 14, you find Jonah, listen, doing exactly what God wanted him to do. But then in Jonah chapter number 1, we see Jonah a little bit differently. We don't see Jonah exactly doing what God has asked him to do. No, no, the word of the Lord has come to Jonah. Uh, Jonah chapter 1 describes that for us, and it tells us that. But Jonah kind of has some different plans. So go back to Jonah chapter number 1, and here's where we're going to be at for the rest of the morning. The morning time, we're going to look at the scripture, give an illustration, and, and make some application. Jonah in chapter, in, sorry, in chapter number 1 of the book of Jonah is definitely a different guy than what we find in 2 Kings chapter number 14. Because in chapter number 1, look what the Bible says. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You recognize this morning that this isn't the very first time that God has spoken to Jonah. And I'm going to kind of draw you in for a second. Uh, this is the beginning of August, and many of you have spent the summer maybe going to youth camps or youth conferences or some special meetings. And this isn't the first time that God's trying to speak to your heart. 
This isn't the first time that God's got up in your face and in your grill and said, are you listening to me? This isn't the first time that the word of the Lord has spoken to you or spoken to me this summer. No, no, we might have responded a couple weeks ago at camp. Uh, I know that for our guys, we went to camp the beginning of July out at Silver State. Uh, if you're a part of Southwest, I know you guys just went a couple weeks ago. I was talking to your pastor about that earlier this morning. Hey, listen, this isn't the first time God's trying to get your attention. This isn't the first time God said, hey, are you listening? Hey, 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 do I have your heart? Hey, hey, are you listening to me? This isn't the first time the word of the Lord has been pricking you and pricking me this summer. But are we listening? The Bible tells us in verse number 2, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. And, he, and, he, and God specifically gives Jonah a command. Look what he says there in verse 2. He says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. God was very specific in what he was calling Jonah to do. You see, God's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of doubt. He's not the author of maybe so, if so. No, no. God is an author. Listen, he's, a, he's an author, if you would, of what we could find is simply defined as truth. And the truth that God gives Jonah here is says, Jonah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to arise and I want you to go to Nineveh. Why, God? Because I want you to preach. Their wickedness has come up before me. Look what he says. He says, arise. That word arise there represents, if you would, a call to action. God, God, listen, God's not going to allow you, even as a young man, as a teenage boy, or I know we had some adults in here this morning as well, he's not going to allow us just to sit by the sidelines. No, no, God desires that there be some action in our life. And as God challenges us and as God speaks to us and as God prompts us, he's not prompting us so that we can sit in the sidelines. He's not prompting us so that we can sit back and just go, well, that's good for my pastor or that's good for my youth pastor or that's good for so-and-so in my youth group because they're called to preach or they're called to be a missionary or they're called to go to Bible college. No, no, God's a God of action and God wants action in every one of our lives. And so God tells Jonah, arise. Jonah, listen, arise. Get up. There's a, there's a calling I have on your life. Look what he says there. He says, go to Nineveh. You realize the command that God gives Jonah here? There's some personal sacrifice Jonah's going to have to take. You say, what do you mean, Brother Andrew? Nineveh was about a four to 600 mile walk. No, no, there's no Uber. There's no Uber. There's no Southwest Airlines. There's no, there's no buses. There's no church van. There's, there's, no, there's no taxi Jonah was going to have to walk to Nineveh to fulfill the calling God had on his life. More to that here in a second. But then he says this in verse 2 again. He says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. The great city Nineveh is located on the Tigris River about 75 miles south of the border of present-day Turkey. And Nineveh is actually within the borders of Iraq. I've had some brothers that have served in Iraq and have talked about driving by the area where uh, historians have said Nineveh is located. But Nineveh was so great that the that historians and archaeologists tell us this, that uh, the city proper of Nineveh uh, compassed an area of about 350 square miles. Had a population of anywhere from 600,000 to a million people. It says this, that the walls of Nineveh stood upwards of 100 to 150 feet high. And at some places in the walls, the walls were so wide that three chariots could drive side by side. No problems. And then he says this in verse number 2, God tells Nineveh this, and cry against it. Cry against it. Jonah wasn't headed to Nineveh to be their friend. Jonah wasn't headed to Nineveh for a vacation. He wasn't headed to Nineveh so that he could create a following. No, no. The Bible tells us, specifically God tells us, that Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh to cry against the wickedness of the city. So it begs us to ask this question this morning. How bad was Nineveh? 
How bad were the Assyrians? How bad were those people that God desired Jonah to leave where he was at and to go to Nineveh and to preach, thus saith the Lord? We'll give you some, uh, some information here just to kind of help the context of the message flow. Assyria, which is uh, where Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, was one of the most brutal nations in the ancient world. They were feared and dreaded by all the people of the day. They were idol worshipers. They were, they were false professors. The Assyrians were known for their cruelty to people. And studying some of this out, some of the things that they did was just absolutely horrendous. I'll give you a exa- couple examples. For instance, they were known to skin their victims alive. They were known to skin their victims alive and impale them. Impale their bodies on sharpened stakes and leave them there to die. They often forced parents. They often forced parents to watch their children being burned alive. Just before their parents themselves were burned alive. The Ninevites were also known to bury victims up to their neck in the desert, in the sand, and leave them there to die of hunger. Many have said that as they buried them in the sand, that they would reach into the mouths of those victims and pull out their tongue and drive a stake through their tongue into the ground. It's said that a man would go mad and go crazy before he actually died. Whole cities were known to commit suicide rather than fall into the hands of the Assyrians. The Ninevites had focused their attention on Israel and it was common knowledge that the Assyrians were coming and that they intended to destroy the people of God. This is the type of culture, if you would, this is the type of place that God had called Jonah to go reach. Ryan, can you come here for a second? We said this morning that ultimately every one of us has a Nineveh, but at the same time every one of us has a Tarshish. So Ryan's going to hold Nineveh here for an example. We've described this morning how Nineveh is. We've described this morning how wicked Nineveh is. Yet this is the place that God has called Jonah to go reach. This is the place that God has said, Jonah, I want you to make some personal sacrifices. And I want you to travel to a place that hates you. I want you to travel to a place that despises you. I want you to travel to a place that wants nothing to do with me. And I want you to preach, thus saith the Lord. Follow this. We're going to build here in a second. So he's going to Nineveh. Now watch verse number 3. Watch verse 3. Here's what the Bible says. But Jonah. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now notice here in our text what Jonah does. God is very specific that God wants Jonah to go to Nineveh. No, no. God's very specific. Kind of like at camp. Kind of like in your personal devotions. Hopefully you have those. Kind of like at YouthCon. God's very specific what he wants for you and I. And I'm going to throw myself in there. Because it's not just about you as a young person. It's about even me as an adult. God's very specific what he desires for our life. And for Jonah's life, God was like, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go specifically to the people that ultimately despise you, that would rather kill you than hear any word out of your mouth. But then in verse number 3, the Bible tells us that Jonah makes a decision. Jonah goes, here's what Jonah says, I know what God wants me to do, but that's not what I want to do. I know what, I know what God wants me to do. I know the direction God wants me to go, but I don't want to go that direction. Come here, Matthew. So here's what Jonah does. Jonah decides that he's going to travel, instead of to Nineveh, he's going to travel to Tarshish. Instead of Jonah going where God wants him to go, where God desires for him to go, 
where the will of God has led him to go, he makes this decision and says, I know better. I don't want to put up with that. I don't want to deal with that. You guys listening in the back there sitting on the floor? I see you. Hey, I don't want to go that direction where God wants me to go. I'm going to make a choice and I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to make my own choice and my own decision and go the complete opposite direction that God wants me to. Now, everybody listen. Nineveh was about a five, six hundred mile journey. Tarshish, over two thousand mile journey. Tarshish was a city on the, on the southern coast of Spain, as far west as at that time as you could go. Watch, Jonah's saying, God, I know the direction you want me to go, but I'm making the choice for myself. I'm going to go the complete opposite direction. I'm going to make my own choice. I'm going to go down to Joppa, I'm going to buy a ticket, and I'm going to go westward. Now we mock, not necessarily mock, but we may, we may uh, have a few words for Jonah. I'm like, Jonah, what are you thinking? How dumb are you, Jonah? But do we not do the same thing? Do we not do the same thing? How many, how many of us this summer have been challenged by the preaching of God's word at youth camp, yet we come home and within a week we go right back to the same things? How many of us this summer have been challenged about maybe the pornography that's all over our phones? And maybe we do good for a week after camp, and maybe we do good week and, uh, good for a couple weeks with the meetings with our youth pastor or our pastor, but deep down inside, there's some wickedness in our heart. And God is saying, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to do what I've called you to do, what I want you to do. But we've chosen, of our own accord, to go to Tarshish and say, I'm going to do it my own way. No, no, we have the opportunity to go to Nineveh. But Brother Andrew, that's hard. It is hard. No, no, we've got to deny the flesh. We've got to deny selfish desires. And we have the opportunity to live in the will of God, but yet we choose Tarshish. We choose that which God never intended. Now look at verse number 2 and verse number 3 real quick in Jonah chapter 1. In verse number 2, you see God give clear instructions. What does God tell Jonah? Jonah, go to Nineveh. Does God ever say, Jonah, go to Tarshish? Never says that. And listen, God doesn't even imply that. No, no, hold up. God doesn't say, hey, if you don't like Nineveh, there's a plan B. God does not say to Jonah, Jonah, if, you just, if you're hedging on this, there's a plan B and you can go to Tarshish. It's going to be a lot better in Tarshish. God doesn't say that in verse number 2. God gives Jonah specific commands, specific instructions to go to Nineveh and to preach in Nineveh. But yet Jonah makes the choice to go to Tarshish. So Brother Andrew, what are you getting at? How many of us in our life, even as a young Christian man, a young man, or even as an adult... Where maybe nobody else knows about it, but God has challenged us and given us specific instructions in our life. And instead of choosing that which is God's will, we've chosen that which is comfortable. We've chosen that which is we feel is safe. We've chosen that which we think, you know what? That over there is too hard. That over there is too much of a sacrifice. Man, walking five, six hundred miles to go preach to a bunch of people who would want to skin me alive and spear me, no thank you, I'll just buy a ticket down at Joppa and I'll get in the bottom of the boat and go to sleep and then when I wake up, I'll be in Tarshish and everything will be okay. That's Jonah. That's, that's exactly where we're at here in Jonah chapter number one. In his book, The Crucified Life, A.W. Tozer made this statement. He said, obedience is recognizing God's sovereignty and authority and submitting to it without question and without regard to consequence. Ultimately, here's what Jonah has done when he has chosen, instead of going to Nineveh, doing what God's wanted him to do, and going to Tarshish, ultimately, here's what he's chosen. 
to disobey God. You realize this morning that your biggest struggle in life and my biggest struggle in life, and for those preachers, those pastors, those other youth pastors in here this morning, our biggest struggle, listen, is just whether or not we're going to obey God. It's really that simple. The Christian life isn't, listen, it's not difficult. It's not, it's really not. It boils down to the fact of whether or not we're truly going to obey God. Whether truly or not we're going to allow God to rule in our life. Listen, Jonah had a small view, if you would, of himself. And in saying that, he had a small view of God. He had a small view of God's call in his life. He had a small view of what God desired for him to do. So I kind of, as I was reading through this text and praying about it, I thought, man, Nineveh, Tarsus, how do we relate this to young men? Because, listen, none of you are going to stand up this morning and go, Brother Andrew, I just want to testify, God has called me to Nineveh. Anybody going to stand up and say that? No? No, don't, don't stand up. Seventh grader? No? Okay. All right. Hey, none of us are going to stand up and go, hey, God's called me to go to Nineveh. We're not going to say that. But maybe we'll say this. You know, God's challenged me this summer with some things in my life. And so in saying that, we're going to, we're going to change these two slides, these two pieces of paper. We're going, to, we're going to insert God's will over here instead of Nineveh. And then we're going to insert over here my will instead of Tarsus. And so here's where the challenge is. We're faced with the challenge ultimately as young men, whether we're a 7th grader, whether we're a 12th grader, whether we're an old man. We're challenged with this one thing in our life. Am I going to do God's will or am I going to do my will? And really if you think about YouthCon and you think about the emphasis of why your church or why your youth pastor would make the sacrifice to drive you to Oklahoma City and to be here and to make the investment at youth camp and to make the investment in youth rallies and make the investment for, for a preacher, for a pastor, for a pastor to labor in the study, for a pastor to labor in prayer, and for a pastor to labor in the Word of God to bring you and I a message from God's Word, ultimately it lies down to this one fact. We are either going to choose God's will or we're going to choose my will. Jonah had the option, listen, Jonah had the option in verse number 3 to arise and go to Nineveh. But the Bible tells us the exact opposite. That Jonah arose, went down to Joppa. Jonah chose his will. We know the rest of the story, what takes place. We know this, that Jonah goes to Joppa, he buys a ticket to Tarshish. And as he buys the ticket, the Bible tells us, I'm going to kind of move real quick here, he goes down to the bottom of the boat, boat sets sail for Tarshish. There's a great storm that comes up. The sailors are casting off their wares. They're casting, trying to lighten the load. They, they're looking like, man, we're getting we're ready to sink. Something's up. What's going on? They cast lots. The lot falls on Jonah. And Jonah says, hey, listen, guys. I'm running from God because I'd rather do my will than God's will. And we know the story that Jonah gets thrown out of the boat. And the Bible tells us at the end of chapter number one that God prepares a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Now, Let's wrap this up together real quick, make some application. In chapter number two, Jonah is in the belly of the whale, belly of the fish, however you want to describe it. And he's having this, this come to Jesus moment, if you would. And eventually at the end of chapter number two, he gets spit out on dry land. But one of the interesting things about this, this book of the Bible that's only four chapters long is the beginning of chapter number three. Go over there to Jonah chapter number three real quick. Jonah chapter number 3. <clears throat> Look at what God says here, the very first verse of Jonah chapter number 3. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah 
The second time. The second time. You realize this morning that for some of you, and I made this statement in the beginning of the, of, the, of, the, of the hour, this is the second time God has been challenging you. This is the second time this summer that God specifically has been addressing issues in your life. Hold that, right, look up here. This is the second time God has said, are you going to choose my will or are you going to choose your will? The second time God says, my will, your will. I grew up in a military home. My dad spent 29 years in the Air Force. I'm the oldest of, of seven. I've got four younger brothers. All of them went in the military. All of them served in combat. But I was ready to go to the Air Force Academy. That was my dream. That was my desire. My junior year of high school, I had prepped. I had had my interviews. I had met with my liaison for the Air Force Academy. I was supposed to take a missions trip, come back in the fall of my senior year, start my exams, my physical, everything else to be entering into the Air Force Academy the fall of 2001. I took that missions trip and spent a, week, uh, sorry, a month by myself at, at 16 years old on the mission field of Fiji with Brother Navi Bola and Brother Ronnie Gallo. And God began to work in my heart. At that time, my pastor was uh, Brother Jeff Abels. I remember coming back home from that missions trip and meeting with my pastor and saying, Preacher, I really don't think God wants me to go to Bible college, or sorry, to the Air Force Academy. I believe God wants me to go to Bible college. But I wasn't, listen, I wasn't all in. I wasn't all in. Because I still had my will. And my thought process was this I'm going to do Bible college for a year, and then I'm going to go into the military, serve my country. And there was an event, I don't have time to explain it, there was an event that took place in my life where God ultimately said this, this is your second chance and your last chance. And I got to a point in my life at 17 years old where I had to come to the decision, is it my will or is it God's will? For some of you here today, you think, oh, it's not a big deal, Brother Andrew, it's just youth con. It's just youth con, it's not that important. No, no, no. The battle that you are fighting in your heart, in your spirit, is this battle right here. This is the battle you have been fighting. Your youth pastor knows it. Your pastor knows it. Your mom and dad know it. No, no. Your mom and dad know it. Everybody. Your, the people in your youth group know it. They know your battle is not with the person you sat with on the car ride down. The battle's not with your teachers at school. The battle's not with your sister or your brother at home. It's not with your boss at work. No, the battle is God's will or my will. So I got thinking, man, what would be so important that we would choose this over this? How about the world? Man, the world has a pull on our life, the society, uh, the trends of the world. And man, we love what this world has to offer. And so we'll choose the world over God. I got to dive a little bit deeper. Like, man, what else? How about this? How about the flesh? The flesh. You know why we struggle, young men, with pornography in our life? Because the flesh is strong. Because, listen, look here. Because this is an epidemic within young men, even in Christian churches. Because we're willing to feed the flesh over choosing God's will. How about this? How about that girlfriend we have in our life? A girlfriend we have, it's more important in our life than God's will. More important to us than what God has for us. How about this? How about our friends? How about our friends? Man, we're, we're, so in, we're so enamored with our friends. Played varsity baseball all four years of high school. My sophomore year, a freshman came in by the name of Chris Kennedy. He played center field. I played right field. 
throughout my junior and senior year of varsity, when he made varsity. Chris, uh, Chris Kendrick was his name, great guy, knew he graduated with his sister Ashley. My second year here at Heartland, my brother calls me on the payphone there at Art One. This was before cell phones were a big deal. Called me on the payphone at Art One. He said, hey, Andy, I got to tell you something. I said, what's up, Gabe? He said, Chris is dead. I said, what do you mean? He said, Chris was driving home a couple of nights ago and had too much to drink. Took a turn down near Knobnoster, Sedalia, Missouri. And instead of taking the turn, went off headfirst into the trees and got impaled by a tree. And here's exactly what I'm thinking. Man, I didn't, I didn't share the gospel with Chris because I was more worried about his friendship than God's will. Some of us this morning, we've got friends in our life that aren't helping us. No, no, they're not pushing us to God. They're separating us from God. How about this? Maybe, maybe this morning this is us. We're unsaved. We've never put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We went to camp this summer and God pricked our heart. and God challenged us about our eternal destination. Yet we've never made the commitment to put our faith and trust in God and God's will and a home in heaven. And we're willing to live our life. And we're willing to choose the Tarshish of being lost rather than putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So, oh, Brother Andrew, those are all good. Those are all good. But none of those really apply to me. So this one applies to you. Fill in the blank. Every one of us this morning, young and old, we have a Nineveh, we have a Tarshish. We have God's will and we have something else. You and I are the only ones that make the choice of where we're going to live. God told Jonah, Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh, preach against it. And the Bible tells us in verse 3, Jonah did the exact opposite. So let me ask you this this morning. Let me look up here. How many of us this morning have been challenged, whether it's here at YouthCon, whether it's youth camp, whether it's a conversation with our youth pastor, whether it's a conversation with our pastor, whoever it might be, We've been challenged to live our life as young men, as godly young men, to live our life doing God's will, live our life in Nineveh. Brother Andrew, Nineveh was horrible. I know. Man, Nineveh, man, that was going to be hard. That was going to be some personal sacrifice. I know. And guess what? Living for God, there's going to be some hard times. There's going to be some personal sacrifice. But guess what? You know when, when Jonah finally submitted to God's will, you know what took place in Nineveh? Revival. Revival. God's hand of judgment was stayed upon the city. Why? Because that was God's will. God used Jonah. How many of us this morning are going to miss out on all that God has for us because we would rather choose Tarshish and all that it has to offer rather than choosing the Nineveh that God has called us to and God has spoken our heart and challenged us to go to? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the truths of Scripture. And God, how we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're saved, that we can put our faith and trust in you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have as young men. Lord, as men to not live this life wondering and questioning and asking, Lord, can you really use me? God, is there really a plan for my life? God, is there really a direction you want me to go? Lord, we can honestly live this life confident of this fact that you have a plan, you have a purpose, you have a will for our life. Lord, this morning I can't help but think that there might be some young men here who when they look at their life right now, whether they're 13 or 16 or 18 or, or even myself at 39 years old, 
can't help but look at their life and consider and ask themselves this question. Am I choosing the Nineveh? Am I choosing God's will? Am I choosing to go where God has called me to go and to do what God has challenged me to do? Or am I like Jonah, running from God? Am I like Jonah, choosing to go to Tarshish and choosing to go the opposite direction from the presence of the Lord? Maybe we've convinced ourselves because, well, maybe we're just the pastor's son or the deacon's son or the youth pastor's son or the favorite church member's son. Or maybe we've grown up in church and we've just, we just know the lingo. We know how to fake it. We know how to play the part and we know how to put on a show. We know how to dress up on Sundays and on Wednesdays and just go through the motions. But deep down in our heart, God, we know. We know where you've challenged us and where you've spoken to us. Lord, where you've corrected us, where you've pointed things out in our life. God, you, we know in our life the areas that aren't surrendered to you. Lord, we know this morning that we have a problem with pornography. We know this morning that we have a problem with drugs or alcohol. We know we have a problem this morning with a young lady in our life. We know we have a problem with maybe some friendships and some relationships. Or maybe this morning we know we have problems with our attitude and our spirit. And those around us know they can see it. But Lord, maybe this morning we know that our problem is that we're still lost. That we've convinced ourselves that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we've never put our faith and trust in him fully. Lord, we know this morning what issues in our life are keeping us from living your will. And I can't help but think this morning, God, that there's some young men that will leave this conference this week with the mindset of no matter what is said, no matter what is preached, no matter the challenge that's given, whether it's from Brother Hardy or Brother Jet or Brother Andrew or anybody else, my youth pastor, my pastor, no matter who says what, I have made my decision and Tarshish is where I'm headed. Oh God, would you get a hold of some young men's hearts this morning? Or would you help them to see the significance of the commitment that they need to make in their life to live for you? To forsake those things that this world has thrown at them and is trying to just use to destroy their life. And that they would make the commitment, God, if Nineveh is where you've called me to go, if that's the direction, Lord, if, if that's the will of God, doesn't matter how hard it is, doesn't matter the personal sacrifice, doesn't matter how long it takes, God, I want to live in your will. Because it's in your will, and when we live in your will, God, that we receive the greatest blessings of life. So help us as young men, as old men, to live in the center of God's will. Thank you, Lord, for the lesson of Jonah and the significance that it can play in our life. And Lord, thank you also for second chances. Thank you for the opportunity we have to make things right. And again, when the word of the Lord comes to our heart, may we respond May we ourselves arise and do what thus saith the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.